SBR, the People's Pod, giving you unfiltered, unqualified content every single week. I'm Cliffy's Joe. Welcome back, everyone. What's up, everybody? We are back. We are back again. Joe, how's everything going? It is good. I'm a little emotionally wobbly now, again, (laughs) (laughs) after the memorial. But, um, man, it was... It was good. I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to talk about some some things, some sports. We'll, we'll, some we'll get into it as mm. as one of our legacy Lakers, Shaquille O'Neal, set the stage by yeah. telling and lifting the spirits of people <laughs> by telling the great things of great stories of Kobe. Yeah. We're gonna try to do the same thing by bring normalizing and bringing you the SBR content we only know how to do. <laughs> We'll talk about the Kobe Memorial uh, in the second half, but we got to start with some sports news with the segment we like to call "Definitely Maybe." <laughs> the 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 OG game from SBR from episode one. Did we start this in I episode think, one? I think episode one. Episode. I think one. we did. Yeah. Still surviving. For the people, this is how the game is played. We make a statement, and we either say "Definitely." Or maybe. You can only use one maybe for all the topics that we give. So it's definitely yes or definitely not. Simple as that. All right. We're going to start off. The Lakers beat the Celtics on Sunday, was it? Was it Sunday? But Tatum yeah, dropped Sunday. Yeah. 41 points. Ooh. Is Tatum the best player from his draft class? Who are let the me players? Read, let me yes. read you some contenders. There's Donovan Mitchell, Lonzo mm. Ball, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, De'Aaron Fox, Kyle Kuzma, Bam Adebayo, John Collins, Jared Allen, or Laurie Markkinen. Joe, we have been incredibly critical of Jason Tatum on this podcast. We have called him a California burrito. <laughs> okay. A, a burrito that does not age well <laughs> as you get older. It's a young man's game. However... We do still agree that a California burrito is good. Yeah, in, in I I, re- I resent the notion that we are being hypercritical of Jason Tatum. We said he would be a multiple-time All-Star, and we gave him California burrito not as like a not as a real slight, just that he is not, you know, the more higher fine dining options, All NBA superstar type player. Right. That being said, uh, of the names listed, none of them really give me superstar vibes. Right, so yeah. is he it's a pretty underwhelming list? <laughs> is he going to be the best player from this draft class? I'm gonna go ahead and say definitely. Mm. Even though I'm a little hesitant, I would say you said going to be right. So yes. when all is said and done, who's gonna have a better career? Yes. Obviously, at the moment, it's between him and, and Donovan Mitchell, Spider Mitchell. I would give it to, to Donovan right now. If you ask me who's a better player right now at this moment, I would say Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, came into the NBA and basically started carrying the Jazz <laughs> like the second he stepped on the floor. And he's already he, he's been their best player since he got there. And he played like it even in the playoffs. And so I give him a lot of credit. Even this season, he has pretty good numbers. And the Jazz are obviously 
a you know they're a good team. They're many media types think they're a contender. I don't think they're a contender, but they are certainly going to make the playoffs. They'll probably you know get out of the first round. Well, I don't know about probably, but maybe they'll get out of the first round. So they can definitely win a series. Donovan Mitchell right now is twenty four. 4.3 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 1.1 steals on 46% shooting. So, you know, he's he's playing well. He's brought um, his stats way up. Yeah, I mean, he's, the season. he's playing better, yeah. yeah. He's brought his stats up. Jason Tatum also has brought his stats up. He was shooting very poorly at the beginning of the season. He's up to 44.5%. So he's shooting much better. He's 23 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, which are... It's great. Those are solid numbers. Um, but I don't think he's the best player on his team at the moment. I still think Kemba Walker is the best player on the team. Um, just right now, Jason Tatum has more potential, and he will probably be a better player than Kemba Walker, like a better regarded player, I think, because uh, Kemba was in Charlotte and didn't really do much, didn't make the playoffs a lot, and Jason Tatum seems like he will. So I'll, I'll say definitely as far as a best player from his draft class goes. I think he proved a lot to me in this Laker game. He's proved mm. a lot in the last 10 games where mm. he's really been carrying the te- putting the team on his back, being right. the clutch scorer, and right. he really took it to the Lakers. Like, yeah. he was not scared. They right. had to double-team him to get the ball out of his hands. Um, you know, he drove it hard in the lane, spin-move through defenders, you know, layups. He was shooting fadeaways, step-backs. He was doing it all. He was kind of yes. showing me the total offensive package in terms of scoring right uh, now there's more to the game than just scoring and just driving it to the lane but really it, it looked pretty good uh yes i'm gonna say tatum will be the best player of his draft class yeah uh, i i think there are currently a couple other contenders right now right. that are you know like yeah do you think he's the best moment? right now at this moment or no, I think Sp- been, I think yeah, Spider Mitchell that, yeah. has proven more, right? Um, and I, honestly, give Bam Adebayo some credit, right? No, the, yeah, I was going to say he won a skills competition. Okay, <laughs> well, Jason Tatum has also won a skills competition, so they're tied. I see, they're one one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, Bam, Bam is is legit, and I always thought Bam was good, even last season. I kind of, I always kind of felt like Hassan Whiteside was holding Bam Adebayo back, and so. Yeah, Bam, Bam's great. So I, I think he looks really good. Uh, he proved something to me. Um, but this is not noteworthy to anybody because most people have Tatum as a superstar. Maybe, maybe even a superstar right now. But most people have them with superstar potential. I think he. There's a glimmer now. Mm-hmm. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of a glimmer that I didn't really see before. But now I'm like, right. oh, okay. Um, Did, you know what's the thing about Jason Tatum? It's like. Okay, by the way, I just want to drop Bam's stats real quick because they're pretty sick. Uh, 16 points per game, 10.5 boards, 5 assists. He's has He averages the most assists of almost anybody on this list except for Lonzo Ball probably. Uh, 1.3 steals, 1.2 blocks on 58% shooting. Whew. And he just won the skills competition. So he is he's a beast. But here's the thing about Tatum, okay? This has always been the thing that's bothered me about him. Not him. It's that every time I want to give Tatum credit like you're doing right now, because I do see it, like he's playing better, and you see those flashes, right, those glimpses of what he can be, somebody in the media says something ridiculous. 
And the one, the thing that was said most recently, even before this Laker game, it was like two weeks ago, is that Jason Tatum is already a top five player in the East. Do you think that's accurate? Let me think. It was I, can, not I can think of four guys pretty quickly, which is Joel Embiid, Giannis, mm-hmm. right. uh, Ben Simmons, right. Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. and then Jimmy Butler. No, he's not. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Butler. And then Kyrie. It's not even close. Playing, oh, Kyrie. And then Kevin Durant. If and Kevin he's Durant, healthy. seven. And then I still think Kemba Walker is better than him on his own team. Debatable. Debatable. But I, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I like Vic Oladipo still over him. That's what I'm saying. If Victor Oladipo is healthy, he's already done more. He's carried his team and, and played big in the playoffs. Come on. You can't just say something. Like, it was totally unqualified. So it didn't even, it wasn't even like, you know, healthy players or anything. Like It was just like, he is right now a top five player in the Eastern. I was like, no, he's not. I can I can immediately Brad, off the Bradley top of Beal. my head think of five guys. Yeah, Brad Beal. I mean, come on. Yes, he. That's what I'm saying though. It's like I I like him. You know what I mean? Like I like him, but it they have basically four 20 point scorers on their team. I don't know if I can even comfortably say he's a top ten player in the East right now. Yeah, which is no slight. Like, that's what I'm saying. People are putting <laughs> – I feel like I'm being put in the position of having to slight Jason Tatum, but I'm not trying to. Right. I think he's a great player. I I think he is going to be the best player from his draft class. But, yeah. like, why are people so – like, why do they want to elevate him so fast? I, I don't know. It's weird to me. It's one of those things. What is a thing? What is a thing that people keep wanting to push on you? Like, you really have to watch The Bachelor this season. <laughs> like, this is... It's like when Chris Harrison... Like, Chris Harrison, he says every season, almost every episode, the most dramatic episode of The Bachelor right now. You know what it is? I think it's the reason I stopped watching WWE. Mm. Because I did watch it for a while, right? You know, right. like when we were in college, we would watch yeah. it and stuff. Yeah. And, and we'd, you know, and I'd kind of yeah. just keep up with it here and there. But then I stopped after a while. I just stopped watching it, right? Yeah. But then people would be like, dude, you don't, like, I guess, <laughs> you know, when you become an adult, adults, and people who are still fans of the WWE at that point, like fanatic, like really right. into it, they're very over about promoting wwe right right they're like dude what like you're not watching it right now how are you not watching it you're totally missing out and i'm like is it though no <laughs> you know is it though? like do i really need this in my life at this point no 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 with no. like a family and stuff and you know i've got other things going on in my life. like do i and that's kind of how I feel about Jason. It's like I want to like it. And I think if I just watched it on my own, if I just caught it on my own, right, one day I just turn on W, I would probably be like, hey, you know what? It is very entertaining. Wow, this guy is pretty good. He does have some moves. He can play some defense. I, do, I think he might be the best player from his draft class. Like I might just come to that conclusion on my own. And right when I want to, somebody says he's a top five player in the Eastern Conference. It's all about normalizing. You got to put everything <laughs> into context. It's about expectations, right? Like you don't want to overhype things. Yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, <laughs> there. There are some people. There are like there's a small sect 
that really loves Jason Tatum and puts him in crazy high places. There's a there's a larger majority that are like, I I think he's really good. It like I've been told that he's like really good. So like <laughs> he must be super good. And then there's a very very small minority minority which is SBR listeners that are like. Is he better than Ingram? Because Ingram's <laughs> putting up really good numbers. No, that's the thing. I don't think he's better than Ingram right now. I still think Ingram's better than him right now. Uh, I don't know how it'll turn out, but... I like Tatum's game more than Ingram. It's a, it, To me, there's a little more polish to it, whereas Ingram is... I don't know. It's a little uglier. Uh, Yeah, Tatum's a little smoother for sure, but Ingram is better. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, he's, he's longer, better. plays better defense. He's more efficient. He, he can plays pass good the ball. D. He can pass the ball. Yeah. Okay. We spent way too long on yeah. this. It's okay. I'll just cut some of it out. All right. <laughs> Moving on. It's spring training, and now we got some responses from the Houston Astros and the rest of the baseball world. Joe, did the apo- apologies from the Houston Astros excuse their cheating scandals? My gosh. Can you just go through some of the responses? Uh, owner Jim Crane, he was like, you know, I'm so sorry about this. This will never happen again on my watch. And then after, at the very end, he said, but this didn't impact the game. We had a good team. <laughs> Carlos Correa, he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I feel so bad about what happened in 2017. You know, it was wrong. It was wrong. But when you analyze the games, we won Ferris Square. <laughs> we earned that championship. The commissioner of baseball says the idea of an asterisk or asking for a piece of metal back seems like a futile act. (laughs) The ultimate (laughs) non-apologies. I'm sorry if you feel bad. I'm sorry you're offended. (laughs) I'm sorry. If anyone was offended, I'm sorry. If anyone was offended by... (laughs) Oh... What did Todd Packer say when he was uh, apologizing at the very end? <laughs> what is it? Why are you here, Todd? Okay, let's get to it. I guess my name is Todd Packer, and I'm in recovery. I'm working the steps. I'm on step eight of Alcoholics Anonymous and step nine of Narcotics Anonymous. I'm here to make amends. I've been hard to deal with over the past years. Kind of a jerk. I know it. I don't need you to accept my apology, but I'd love it if you did. Packer. We accept. Actually, they have a specific way I need to do this. And I have to go through examples of stuff. Okay, uh, where to begin? Hey, Pam Pam and her Pam Pams. Wow, I have said some crude things about those. But they are beautiful. And I guess that's why I acted out. Pam, I'm sorry I objectified you and personified your breasts. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Phyllis, oh boy, I have not been nice to you. Philly, I'm sorry for the things I said about your size. To your face, behind your back, in the form of drawings. Actually, that goes for all you double XLs. (laughs) Stanley Kevin points to Clark. This kid in a few years. (laughs) Pam says, Todd, you're just saying insults in the form of an apology. (laughs) Oh, why can't I just be nice? Truth is, I really like you guys. I really do. Uh, That's what the Astros did. That's basically what they did. (laughs) It's it's like worded like an apology. But basically the point is 
It didn't matter, and we deserve this. <laughs> we didn't do anything wrong. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But if you think about it, if you think about it, we didn't cheat at all. <laughs> oh, this is so dumb. Like, are they really delusional? Do they not get it? Like, are they, is it at this point... What was the question, by the way? Did the apologies excuse, excuse their them. cheating? Yeah. Uh, obviously not. It's not even <laughs> definitely not. It's just, are you kidding me right now? Like, and this is the thing. I feel like if they really just genuinely apologized, we would, we would get over it pretty quick. Yeah. Because it was, it was, it wasn't like last season. You know, it's been a few seasons. Uh, for Dodger fans, at least, you know, we've gotten over the heartbreak of that. World Series, that disappointment. If it if we had found out right after, I think it would have been different. But it's already been a couple of years. And, you know, we just want to move on, right? But the fact that they're dragging this out by not... One, okay, those apologies were whack. You know, owner Jim Crane, oh my gosh, this, this fool. And then he doesn't even really take responsibility. He's like, well, I didn't really know about it, saying stuff like that. It's <laughs> like, that just tells me you knew about it. Because when you are the owner and you find out something shady is going on in your organization, if you're really on the up and up, when you find out, you would be upset just like everybody else. Right. Right. You'd be like, dude, how dare you guys do this like behind my back? You know, I'm I'm so upset. You're fired, you know, and whatever. Whoever's getting fined or suspended, like you would be pissed about it. But the fact that he's like, oh, whoops, <laughs> you know, like, oh, you know, it wasn't really that bad. Like, if you think about it, like, you don't say stuff like that unless you're also complicit. Right. Yeah. Or else you would just be throwing them all into the bus because you legitimately didn't know. And you would be, you know, kind of embarrassed and you'd be like, oh, man, can't believe this happened on my watch. You know, I'm sorry. And the appropriate, you know, the parties that did it, like, they're definitely going to be punished. You got to do it one of two ways. I always think... Don't do things halfway, right? That's just right. that's just the thing. Either go, I'm sorry, this was wrong. I should have stopped this, uh, but I didn't, and I have to take full responsibility for my actions. Right. right. You could do that, or you could do it the other way. You could say, I found an advantage, and I took advantage <laughs> of it. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I I'm not sorry. I if you had a chance, you would do it too. I just look for any advantage that I can get, and I'm going to keep doing that. Right. And you could be like a jerk about it, but people be like, yeah. oh, dude, this guy has like a tenacity to win. <laughs> yeah, they'll just respect it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll respect that. It's dirty. <laughs> he, he's saying like, I'm not saying it's not dirty. I might be the dirtiest player in the game, but I'm the dirtiest player in the game with the World Series championship. With the World Series championship. <laughs> I got a ring, suckers. What yeah, you yeah. So you, you, could, you could do it one or two ways, and both ways will lead to – all right, let's get over it, right? But when you do yeah. the, hey, I'm sorry, but really, did I do anything wrong? <laughs> yeah, sorry, not sorry. And then Bellinger says, these fools cheated. They cheated for three years. Altuve stole an MVP from Aaron Judge. He did. Which the Yankees liked. And then freaking Carlos Correa has... The I don't even know what to call this. Like the the gall. The gall. Yeah, but it's not even gall, right? Because it's not just like gutsy, it's just ignorant. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's like ignorant guts, right? Like 
he's like, well, you know, I don't usually have a problem. But the problem I have is when players go out there and they don't know the facts and they're not informed about the situation. They just go out there on camera and just talk with me. That just doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem right at all. And I'm using this dumb voice, even though it doesn't sound like him. This is what he sounds like in my head when I read this. Okay. So when Bellinger talks about we cheated for three years, he either doesn't know how to read, is really bad at reading comprehension, or is just not informed at all. The commissioner's report clearly says all those activities were conducted in 2017. And then he goes on to say that Altuve never cheated Judge out of the MVP. Cody, you don't know the facts. Nobody wants to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it. Jose Altuve was the one guy that didn't use the trash cans. (laughs) Just... First of all, (laughs) he's like, oh, you don't know the facts. Oh, well, why don't you tell us the facts? Why don't you tell us the true facts? (laughs) Like, I know you guys are all just kind of towing this party line. You're all saying the same thing, right? Why don't you go into all the details about how you actually cheated? And then we'll all know. Then we'll know everything, right? Which, you know, how exactly you went about this process. Who was the person that brought this up? And when did you guys all agree to it? When did all the players decide, yeah, you know, it's cool. We're cheating, but yeah, it's fine. Like, we'll all do it. And do you think... Are you also dumb? Like, do you also think that when everybody, even if Altuve really didn't cheat, which I don't know, okay, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. One, you knew all your teammates were cheating. Two, you know that gives you an advantage, right? Like, do you think in baseball, if every guy on the lineup knows when the the pitch to hit is coming, it's not going to affect one guy in the lineup? Of course it is. Right, of course. If everybody's hitting better, that puts pressure. And if you're in the cleanup spot or if you have a if you're in a spot where guys are on base, whatever. Either way, right? It's gonna help you. It's gonna help you get walks, it's gonna help you get hits, it's gonna help you get RBIs. This is just stupid, right? Like after you cheat, you can't be like going through the details of it and be like, oh well, cheating only helped us this much. If you didn't need to cheat to win, then why did you cheat? <laughs> That's number one. And two, when you cheat, you forfeit the right to ever talk like this. To ever go back and be like, oh, well, here's the little details. Like, this happened and that happened. Well, we probably would have won this game anyway because we got this hit and we were, this one was on the road. And no, everything that happens when you cheat affects every other thing. You can't break it down like that. When you cheat and you get caught, you are disqualified. That is the way it works everywhere. That's the way it works in school. That's the way it works in sports. That's the way it works in the Olympics. That's the way it works anywhere you go. When you cheat and you get caught, you're disqualified. You do not get the chance to win. And if you win and get away with it, you certainly do not have the right to defend yourself. You know, like you don't have the right to say anything in your defense. You should just shut up and take it. And they're the ones dragging this out. Now, every stadium they go to, they're going to get crazy booed. They're lucky. They're so lucky they're not coming to Dodger Stadium this year. (laughs) I would be seriously worried about their lives (laughs) if they came to Dodger Stadium this year. Knowing Dodgers fans, it would just be crazy. It's like uh, if you... If you caught your spouse cheating on you uh-huh. and you wrote an email and you're like, you're cheating on me, and they sent it back correcting your grammar, you <laughs> apostrophe <laughs> You're. <laughs> See, Y O U R is possessive. 
What you want is Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. That's what Carlos Correa just did. It's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually. What? What are you talking about? What are you? Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Be better than this. Be or better than it, this. It's like that. It's like that trope, you know, where they, yeah, they find out, you know, they find out you're cheating, but then you go, um, did you look through my emails? Because you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was all that. there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, how dare you? How dare you invade my privacy? <laughs> it's like, it's like, come on, bro. You come on, hot. Astros. <laughs> come on, Astros. This definitely did not excuse them. <laughs> all right. Next up. Joel Embiid is having a good time. He had a good all-star game. He's feeling himself. He dropped 39 points, and he said, I'm the best player in the NBA. <laughs> Joe, is Joel Embiid the best player in the NBA? Definitely. Oh. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> what is this fool talking about? This guy, I don't know what's going on with him. He's not he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's supposed to be on Twitter, you know, annoying people and calling them out and, you know, pumping himself up to get ready for big games. Now he's doing the thing. He's doing the opposite thing. You know, like when you're winning or when you are winning those one-on-one matchups and you say stuff on Twitter and you troll people, yep. it's funny yeah. and it's entertaining. Yeah. But when you're like the Sixers are right now, like I don't know what's going on with them. They're not playing well. Joel Embiid's weird. Like he's not playing well. If anything, Simmons is proving that he could lead this team, and Embiid is proving that he doesn't know exactly what he wants to be or where he wants to go on the floor and whether or not he can be a legitimate closer. You know, like whether he can be that kind of number one guy on a championship team. And now's not the time to be on Twitter, <laughs> you know, or now's not the time to say these kinds of things. I should just say now is the time to just prove it on the court. He's obviously not the best player in the NBA. There's a discussion about who's the best player in the NBA. He's not even in it. Right? He's not even in it. He's not even in it. Kawhi's in it. Giannis is in it. LeBron's in it. He's not in it. KD's and in it. And he's hurt. KD, yeah, obviously KD's hurt right now. But when he's, when KD is healthy, I think KD is the best player. And so. Joel, step up, play well in the playoffs, figure out a way to play with Ben Simmons and win games, and then you can go back to being the old social media and beat. He dropped 39 and 16, 17 and 11, 49 and 14 in his last three games. The 17 and 11 was against Milwaukee. You lost against Giannis, <laughs> who's in the conversation for best player. And the game wasn't the even close, by the way. The game wasn't even close. He dropped 39 and then 49. Those games were against Brooklyn and Atlanta. And if I play Brooklyn and Atlanta right now, I might think I was the best player in the NBA. How this, dare you? This is why we need a one-on-one -on -one tournament. This is why we need a one-on-one -on -one tournament. So mm. that we can prove it on the court and you can get the title. And so if you don't if you don't have the title, you can't be best player on the planet. So Joel and B can play Russell Westbrook one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. That would be that would amazing. be awesome. <laughs> All right, Joe, speaking of the aforementioned Milwaukee Bucks, they are red hot 
red hot. They will be the first team to 50 wins. Joe, will the Bucks win 70 games? Because they have already clinched a playoff spot. They are the fastest team to clinch a playoff spot in NBA history. Man. That also is because the ninth place team is 16 games under <laughs> 500. Man. The East, man. Just when I want to give them credit <laughs> for kind of stepping up. Um, You know what? Definitely. Mm. They're 49 and 8 right now. Yep. Right now, they are third in offensive rating. Mm-hmm. That is points per 100 possessions. And they are number one in defensive rating. 101.8. You know what's crazy about them is like, they just win. They just win. They are number one in net rating, 11.6. The next highest, 7.1. Wow. Toronto Raptors and Lakers are tied. Lakers are doing Pretty good, by the way. Fourth in offensive rating, fifth in defensive rating. So we're top five in offense and defense, which bodes well for our championship chances. But man, the Bucks. I mean, as far as the regular season goes, they just yeah, they don't they don't lose. They're like a fine tuned machine. They have great chemistry because they've had continuity. And even when Giannis sits, they just win. And whoever's sitting, guys miss games. You know, Bledsoe misses a game here and there. Middleton misses a game here and there. Giannis misses a game here and there. Brolo's out here and there. But somehow the parts just come in and they just keep going. So, you know, credit to them. I do think I think they're going to win exactly 70 games. I think they're going to be 70 and 12. What's crazy about them is that yeah, everyone's like, oh, Giannis is just carrying them. He just plays every second of the game. He's averaging nope. under 31 minutes a game. Yeah. No, no other player is averaging thirty minutes a game, yeah. but but Middleton is at twenty nine point seven, Bledsoe twenty seven, Brooke Lopez twenty six points. Like what? Like yeah. really? Like a committee? You know? Yeah. Which is the prototypical a way that you motivate and do well as a regular season team, right? Yeah. The problem is in the playoffs, it shrinks down to seven guys, six guys, right? That right. really have to kind of force the action. Uh, and their depth isn't as much of a strength anymore in the playoffs. But regardless of the playoffs, this this question's about the regular season. I'm gonna go maybe. Mm, oh, I'm gonna go maybe using that maybe. I I I've been high on the Bucks since last season. You know, I thought they were making the finals last season. I think they have a really good shot to make the finals this season. They. Uh, have continuity and you know i believe in continuity like i believed in denver um but they have more road games than home games with the remaining schedule and they have the fifth hardest remaining schedule which includes toronto three times the sixers again but i guess that's not that big of a deal because they destroy the sixers (laughs) they have boston twice the lakers miami golden state with the reunited steph houston denver and dallas they got a a lot of people to go yes. through and they can only lose four times right. uh, in the next 25 games. Right. So it's possible. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's like to me, it's crazy that I'm actually thinking like that's possible. 
But as long as they're winning on the clip they're currently winning on, and they play in the East, it should be fine. It should yeah. be fine. But we'll see when they face up face Toronto. The Toronto game is coming up soon. What they're made of because Toronto is, is playing well. They're they're yeah. playing really well. Yeah, Toronto's kind of similar. They're tied for second in net rating. They have that regular season thing too. Um, but man, you know what's crazy about Giannis? Actually, I was gonna say. Um, so he's averaging thirty points, thirteen and a half boards, and six assists in just thirty-one minutes per game. You know what's crazy? His per thirty-six minutes are thirty-five, sixteen, and seven. Ugh. He is so crazy efficient. Like the way that he can do the, the fact that he can do that in just 31 minutes a game is just insane. And that's part of the reason that yeah, that's part of the reason that they're so good is that Giannis can he does such damage when he's in the game. Yeah. You know, like he just comes in the game, he dunks it five times, he gets like 10 boards, he like three assists, and then he just sits down. You know, he does that in like six minutes, and then he just sits down, and it's just like, man, that's so crazy. What's like a really destructive StarCraft like character? Uh, like Kerrigan? Yeah, Kerrigan. She takes over the world, right? I mean, the whole, like, the everything. Or, like, uh, what was that Terran uh, guy who has, like, a nuke? <laughs> All of a sudden, your base is nuked. Oh, Ghost. Ghost? Yeah, the Ghost. Yeah, Giannis the is Ghost. ghost. Giannis is Ghost. <laughs> the way Ghost from StarCraft. He would just come in, and then your base is, like, silently being nuked. <laughs> No, I think Giannis is more like Kerrigan. Oh, is he Kerrigan? He, he doesn't come in no silent, you know what I mean? I see. <laughs> he just comes in the front door and just freaking devours everybody. <laughs> he just he's like a he's like a siege tank, you know, except <laughs> What are the Warcraft? Is there's no guys that are just like massive like DPS? Who's DPS? Who's just buff? Who can just own in a Dota by themselves, like once they're once they're maxed? Uh, I wish I played Overwatch. I wish I knew those characters. Uh, the person that used to be the most OP was Faceless Void. Hmm. But then, uh, like, they nerfed him. They nerfed him. But like, before then, he he has a passive bash. Uh-huh. And then you could get Cranium Basher, so and then you speed up his uh you speed up his attack speed and damage, and you can't move. He's just ba- <laughs> he's just bashing you, bash 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 bash, and then he has Chronosphere, which locks you for like six seconds, and he's just bashing bashing the crap out of you. I guess that's kind of Giannis, right? He's just like suffocating you because he's so long, so fast, so tall. He's just I mean, everywhere yeah. around the court. He's just, he's the Hulk. You know what I mean? Like, he just comes in and just destroys everything, smashes everything. Big and green. And there's nothing you can do. Like, like what can you do against him? There's no real, I mean, well, there are always ways. And in the playoff, you know, in the playoffs, you got to build that wall. But in the regular season, 
you know, he just comes in for six minutes, destroys your whole town, leaves. And then you're just like, you know, all your defenses are tattered. And then all the other guys come in. Right? All the, <laughs> the little guys come in. They come through all the holes in your walls. You know, it's like. You have Kerrigan and Zerglings. <laughs> Kerrigan comes in, destroys everything. And then, you know, goes to the bench, chills. And then all the Zerglings come in. And you they know, kill, the... Kill, kill the SUVs. Is that what they're called? SCVs? SCVs. SCVs. They're all mining the gold. They're just mining the gold. The Zerglings just da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, you kill all the SCVs, and then the heart of the team is just destroyed, and then the Bucks run away with it. They get a 30-point lead. It's over. You give. You rage quit. DC, right? It's disconnected. And you're like, oh, you you jerk! Why? How dare you disconnect? Right? Just take the loss. Like, like just take the L. All right. The Lakers have signed a Morris, not Marcus, <laughs> but Markeith. They're gonna move in together. Woo. Now Woo. that they're both back in LA, is Markeith <laughs> Morris the answer for the Lakers? Of course, of course he is. The answer to which question, I guess. <laughs> um, definitely not. He is nothing. <laughs> As we said, Marcus Morris is nothing. By the way, Marcus Morris, first game with the Clippers. They played the 76ers. I'm watching the game. I forget they even have Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris is in the game at the end of the game. And here's his contribution. He misses a shot he turns it over he gets Joel Embiid mad he gets in a little scuffle with Joel Embiid they get double texts right next play down or not next play but like soon after that Marcus Morris decides not to give the ball to Kawhi Leonard who's like calling for the ball it's a close game in the fourth quarter and he's like I'm just gonna drive this in he drives it in right-handed layup on the right side and Joel Embiid blocks the crap out of that ball off the backboard, starts a break. Sixers score. Sixers go on a little run. Marcus Morris does nothing and comes out of the game. All he does is keep Kawhi Leonard from scoring in the fourth quarter and makes the opposing best player angry so that he's motivated. The Clippers lose, of course, to the 76ers. And I was watching that game, and I was thinking, wow, the Clippers won the arms race. <laughs> They got Marcus Morris. He is and not kind of the imploding, answer. By the way, they're kind of imploding now. There's a topic oh, on no. first take. Are the Clippers in danger? You know, they just lost to the Kings. I think they're destroying Memphis today, though. But look, Marcus Morris is not the answer. Markeith Morris is not the answer. But I'm glad it will shut up those media types because if they want to be like, oh, they got Marcus Morris. We got his twin brother. <laughs> and probably nothing's going to happen. Are they twins? They are twins. They are twins, right? Yeah. Twins. We got his twin brother. Same DNA. And so... <laughs> like, how can the Clippers be in trouble, but two days ago be like, oh my gosh, they're so stacked. They're so deep. <laughs> Reggie Jackson. Marcus Morris. Reggie Jackson. It's like, oh, he was another answer. I forgot. Like, what? No. 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 Also, all these people, they're like... They're like, trade Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green for Marcus Morris. We need him so bad. <laughs> and, and we got Markeef. And we got Markeef. <laughs> the reason we got Markeef is because the Pistons were like, you know, 
I'd rather just let you go and fire you than keep you around our team. <laughs> I'd rather give you away for free. I'd rather just pay you to leave <laughs> than for you to stick around. Yeah, yeah. Super stoked to get a guy like that. Super, <laughs> super stoked. No, oh, he gosh. is not the answer. Even worse was that we had to cut DeMarcus Cousins to put make room for Markeith Morris. Ugh. It was so sad. If it, sad. People don't know. There's been glowing reports about DeMarcus Cousins' effect in the locker room and how he's mm. been keep brand, banding people together, him showing yeah. his work ethic, him showing, telling people, like, not every day is guaranteed in the NBA. You got to work for it. Like, that. he's like a tried-and-true story, right? A superstar in the making. Like, to me, he had more superstar potential than Jason Tatum. And, oh, are you kidding me? He was already a superstar. Yeah, and then now he's – people think he might be out of the league. You know, yeah. and so not every day in the NBA is guaranteed. You got to work for it. He got an Achilles injury. He got an ACL injury. He got a hamstring injury. Like he's just, he's just, yeah, it hurts. And so he was a great presence in the locker room for all these guys to like want to root for him to see him succeed. And then we cut him for Markeith. The, yeah. The good news is, is he's going to be sticking around, continuing to rehab for the Lakers. He basically just got paid out, and now he's I see. kind of kind of there. Um, oh, okay, so he's still around though. He's still around. He's sticking around oh, okay. the facility, still okay. rehabbing. We're st- we're still the Lakers are still helping him. So I see. I was I was kind of sad actually. If he was gonna be gone, yeah, I was. I didn't even re- I didn't know that until you just said that, and so I was actually upset just now. <laughs> yeah, because I'd rather have Demarcus Cousins just as a moral, you know, exactly presence in the locker room. But if he'll still be around, then I guess that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is nothing. <laughs> This is nothing. These moves never matter. They have never mattered, and they're not ever going to matter. The people, if they're, you know, put us to shame. Has there ever been a move for the 8th to 12th, 8th to 12th, the best guy (laughs) on the team that mattered for a championship? No. Let us know. Let us know. Comment. Message us. We'll correct ourselves if there was. Unless Robert Ory ever moved teams midseason, you know, and hit a big shot. I don't think even that's happened, though. The yeah, only maybe. one I remember is Kareem Rush from the Lakers. He hit seven threes in a game-clinching Game 7 Western Conference Finals. Oh. But he, he wasn't like a midseason acquisition, No, right? no, no. We had him. Yeah, no. Those are guys. Like, of course, there's guys that do stuff like that. But those are guys that, you know, you've had and are, like, part of the organization. I, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> Last one, Joe, this is a good one. The OKC Thunder will get home court advantage in the playoffs. (laughs) And the reason why I say this, as of this recording, they are sixth in the Western Conference. One game back from fifth from Utah, two games back from the Rockets for fourth, and three games back from the Clippers for third. I don't know how this is possible, but the Thunder are 13 games over 500. Friggin' point God, Chris Paul. That's how it's possible. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just like, I have to laugh because I can't believe this is even I can't believe possible. I can't believe it's even a topic. It's insane. Um, but I'm going to say definitely not. 
Mm. Between the Rockets and the Jazz, one of them will keep home court advantage. Just, I, I have, <laughs> as much as I make fun of like James Harden and as much as we make fun of the Jazz, I have too much respect for both of them, for neither of them, for both of them to get beat out. Like both of them collectively to get beat out by the Thunder. Oh my gosh. But if that did happen, if, for example, the Thunder got up to fourth, and the Rockets were in fifth. <laughs> and the Thunder were playing the Rockets in the first round. And the Thunder have home court advantage over the Rockets. So Chris Paul took the Thunder, who people thought would be pretty much the bottom of the Western Conference. <sighs> and he's who switched places with Russell Westbrook, who's playing with James Harden, who both have been MVPs. And they're... They have a worse record than the than the Thunder? Oh my gosh. That would be so amazing. I really really hope that it happens. <laughs> I would be so happy if that happened. But I just I don't think it's actually going to happen, so I'm going to say definitely not. I'm also going to say definitely not. I echo all of the things you just said. How amazing. <laughs> How amazing would it be? That this team projected to be 15th or 14th in the West (laughs) suddenly was better than the superstar they traded. And Houston, the star they traded that was problematic, ended up besting you (laughs) in record. Like, how amazing would that be? But the reason... Reason why I say definitely not is not because I don't believe in OKC. It's just because the strength of their schedule is much harder than Houston, uh, right? Uh, uh, OKC has the sixth hardest uh, schedule based on opponents' winning percentage, and they have more road games versus away game, ver- road games versus home games, versus mm. Houston, which they have the third easiest remaining schedule uh, for the Western Conference teams. Uh, opponents combined winning percentage is 47%. So uh, they have an easier road to victory. Uh, Utah is somewhere close to OKC in terms of um, opponent winning percentage, but they have way more home games. So uh, if Houston played the Thunder in the first round, who do you think would win? I think OKC. (laughs) Man. Are you like for real though? Like le- legitimately? That's what seven games. Seven games. You know what's crazy? That's what I think too. <laughs> I think seven games. Like I really truly be- I think that. I think the Rockets are going to be – do you think they've figured something out? Like they've won four in a row. You know, they, the acquisition of – what's his face? I don't even care. <laughs> Robert Covington. You know, yeah, Covington throwing Clint Capella away like trash. What Do you think this has like figured it out for them? Like they've, they've, they got it? No, this is all gimmicks, right? Gimmicks work in the regular season. But when you get to the playoffs, it's much harder. Mm. Like, this is what the Warriors did, right? And I'm not right. saying this is the reason they lost. But they had their death lineup. And they lost their starting center in the 2016 the playoffs with the one they lost, right, in seven games. Right. Tristan mm-hmm. Thompson was an animal. Like, yeah. Like, so many offensive rebounds. So many offensive rebounds, right? Yeah. And... That adds up. Like, mm. really, the talent discrepancy between the teams was. I mean, it's the Warriors, right? Like, right. Like, it's it's like the prime Warriors, and 
my gosh, Tristan Thompson was really the difference maker in a lot of that. And Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie went crazy. Steph was kind of exposed on defense. And then you had Harrison Barnes. They just kept letting Harrison Barnes shoot over and over and over yeah. again, right? And he couldn't buy a bucket. Right. Which probably is what they're going to end up doing to Covington or maybe Russell Westbrook, corner threes or wing threes. But yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I feel like when they do get there, it's not a great matchup for them. Chris Paul is obviously going to be uber motivated as long as he doesn't get hurt. And then. Who's what are they going to do about like Steven Adams? Yeah, I also think OKC. Uh, this is like a this is like an OKC type of team, right? Yeah. Like, and they have one of the best home court advantages. They have a great home court. Yeah. And so it's going to be loud and aggressive. <laughs> oh man, Harden is going to be so scared. Oh man, what if um, Russell Westbrook comes and then they. When they come, so let's say the Rockets have home court, right? And they split or something like that. It's game three at OKC, and then everybody's wearing the cupcake t shirts <laughs> for Westbrook, though. <laughs> that would be interesting. What would the worst t shirt be for Westbrook? Would it be KD greater than RW? <laughs> Or WB, um, yeah, WB, KD greater than or, WB or CP, CP greater, or we Ooh. we we won the trade. <laughs> CP three over, we won the trade. Oh my gosh! No, you know what? I, this is what I hope happens. Okay, I hope they really do play, and I hope Chris Paul gets a game-winning layup, Damian Lillard style. And then, do you know what he does? Do you know what the move is? What? To the camera. Rock the baby. <laughs> Rock the baby. If he does that, that is storybook right there. I will lose my mind. You heard it here first. Chris Paul, <laughs> if you're listening. No, Zach Lowe, if you're listening. Go tell Chris Paul that's what he needs to be able CJ. to do. CJ, tell them. <laughs> tell them. All right. That was definitely maybe we'll be back to talk about the 224 Memorial after this. All right. We are back. And today, as we are filming, it's February 24th, which means it's Gigi and Kobe's day. And today, the memorial of Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant and the seven other passengers uh, happened today, and you know, I wanted to ask you, Joe. Now that it's been a bit, been a minute, have you processed the grief, and did this uh, memorial service help you? Um, I would say yes on both accounts. Um, I do feel I feel a lot better. Um, I don't think I feel as I don't know. I don't know how to call it. I, I feel like it was unstable. Like I felt so unstable emotionally. Shaken. shaken. Yeah, shaken. You know, I felt, you know, shook like when it happened and um for for however long that was, it was it took like a couple weeks honestly mm-hmm. to feel just normal again. And I do feel like I've returned to some level of normalcy like I can talk about Kobe in general, um, 
and not get super, I think, just sad about it. But yeah, whenever I really think about it, it is tough. But I don't think I'm I'm I think I'm I think me personally, I've I've come a long way from the beginning. Um, how are you these days? I think same. Uh, when I don't think about it, uh, it's pretty normal now. It's just right. like, uh, it's kind of like a, a lot further away from it. You're, it's kind of out of mind. But when you, when I like really get into it, like when I really think about it, like the memorial service today, like watching Vanessa, it's like, oh, there it is. Like there's, right. there's that like part of me that just, that died, you know? And so, yeah. um, when that part happens, you still get so sad. Uh, but the memorial service did help, uh, like the funny parts. <laughs> yeah. Um, like kind of, that's kind of what I want to remember, you know, mm. uh, like now, uh, I think it's like, that's the kind of the stage. It's like all the good. And, and I, I actually talked about that before, but that's the kind of stuff that kind of helps me like kind of move forward. And I think what the story that Shaq told about how like, the teammates were like, oh, man, like Kobe's not passing the ball. Can you talk to him? He's like, yeah, 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 I'll talk to him. He's like, hey, yo, Kobe, there's no Y in team. He's like, I know, but there's an ME in that mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he went back to Derek Fisher Robert. He's like, yeah, he ain't passing the ball. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, he said, what did he say? He said, I went back to, I went back to uh, Fox and uh, Big Shot Bob, and I was like, hey, he ain't passing. Just get the rebound. <laughs> <laughs> And it's those moments that like are like so Kobe, you know, like he was so distinctly himself, and that's the kind of stuff that's like so that leaves such a fond memory, and yeah. like it's like happy to look back on it. It's not like devastating to look back on. Right. Um, so in that sense, it did help. I I thought it was interesting. I think Vanessa curated the list of people that spoke. Right. And the people she chose were interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting group. Did you have any idea who was going to I didn't speak? I yeah. didn't. Um I didn't either. I was like, I had no idea what was going on. I just turned it on and like Beyonce comes out. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And it's like singing. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> what what is this? Like I you know, I didn't even know what it was, like what it was going to be. Yeah. And she's like singing, and I cried. Yeah, <laughs> when she was singing Halo, it's like what the heck. It uh, yeah, it was it was so crazy because um, the people that she chose, I, I whether it's because they had a profound impact on Kobe, but I think I think it's because Kobe talked about them a lot. Mm, like yeah. like he probably talked about. Because it seems pretty clear that Kobe and Vanessa had a good relationship. And right. so any good relationship with a married person, you kind of talk about work. You talk about what's going on. And like right. like Phil didn't speak, you know? Yeah, like Jeannie yeah. didn't speak. But she, she, right. had, she had Shaq speak, you know? And, it's, yeah. and Shaq, I think a couple weeks ago, said he hadn't talked to Kobe since he dropped 60. You know, yeah. and that's... which was actually wrong because he did say that, but then they had that interview, which he later remembered. Oh yeah, yeah. But they had the interview, yeah, where, where they, they squashed it. 
Yeah, where they squashed it. And so he didn't even remember that. And then later on, it came up yeah. in that same thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, man, I give a lot of credit to Vanessa, actually, because I thought it was a great list. Yeah. Yeah, I think she picked the right people to talk about the right things. Yeah. It was interesting. Even Jimmy Kimmel doing the whole kind of, I mean, he was like emceeing kind of almost. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think it, he was even good to do that because obviously he's on TV, he talks for a living, you know, so he, he can do that kind of thing. But also he's L.A. and, you know, he's a Laker fan. He knew Kobe and he was obviously very affected, you know, so he kind of brings in the perspective. He's kind of our surrogate. You know, he brings in that just fan perspective. He's not part right. of basketball. You know, he's not part of that world. Um, And even though he's you know, even though he's like famous, he's not like the other people, you know, who are like super talented, you know, uh, I mean, he's talented in, in, in his thing, but these kind of creative or athletic, you know, high achievers. And so my kind of recommended watch, if you, if you didn't see it and you want to kind of see part of it but not go through the whole thing i would say what affected me the most was basically beyonce through vanessa so jimmy and vanessa yeah yeah so it was beyonce and then was it just jimmy and then vanessa i think yeah. it was right yeah and then Dinah tarasi oh so good yeah i loved everything that she said and just talking about kobe and talking about Gigi and talking about basketball and talking about women's basketball like the effect that kobe had on her and then when she was talking about what she felt when she saw Gigi and what she saw in Gigi's face that was amazing mm -hmm. yeah i mean and she was very she spoke very well um and then i would say the next one what to me i would just skip all the way to michael jordan mm -hmm. and then Shaq, who was last and those to me were the most impactful ones um i know and there were a lot of other ones too i saw the whole thing obviously and you know but to me that kind of was the most helpful hearing these people talk not only because there were funny things jordan's crime meme joke was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> um but it was very i think it helped to see the impact that kobe had and It wasn't just the impact that Kobe had on kind of the next generation or people that saw him play, but even the impact that he had on a person like Shaq, who is his teammate and older than him. And then a person like Michael Jordan, who was his idol. It was, yeah, it was interesting hearing Michael Jordan talk about Kobe when Jordan was talking about how Kobe challenged him yeah. in certain ways and inspired him in certain ways. And that was a theme throughout that I that I loved and I kind of took away from it that Kobe, not only was he this crazy worker, but he had this desire to learn and just to get better and to to get things from people. And, you know, in that sense, he was very humble, like he wanted to learn from other people. You know, he never felt like, oh, I already know what's going on. Like, uh, even when Gino Ariyama was talking and he was talking about, like, how he would ask him about coaching and stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, I found it very interesting and, and um, 
that was I, I, I don't know. I think that's something about Kobe's legacy that's awesome is that people around him got that from him, just the sense that he really wanted to learn and get better all the time. And that alone was inspiring, you know? Yeah, it, you think about Kobe as this Russell Westbrook-like guy where... Right. Uh, Killmonger. Yeah, he's Killmonger, right? Um, but off the court, it's like it's so different. Even that Kendrick mm. Perkins story really told me a lot about right. Kobe, you know, and that because you know Jordan was notoriously like I mean, punch Steve Kerr, like he always wanted to win at everything <laughs> at every moment, you know, that kind of thing, right? Any cost, yes. But Kobe was a little different breed right he wanted to win at basketball specifically or whatever his passion was at the time and if he did get a one-up on you it like he, he got private tennis lessons when he was playing rob Polinka. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of like a wink right it's just like it's like kind of his like humor in that right. sense but it wasn't because he wanted thought he was better than you it was just because that's just kobe right like he he and so um it's interesting kind of seeing this other perspective uh, and different side. And that Jordan thing was, I thought it was really interesting that Jordan spoke, you know, like I didn't yeah. know how, like he probably mentioned him, mentioned talking to him all, all the time to Vanessa. He was right. probably texting him, calling him. And that's why Jordan's annoyed, right? <laughs> He's like, oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah. so annoying. Um, but he's probably talking to Vanessa about that, you know? And and Jordan's probably kind to Vanessa, too, to be able to – for her to want Jordan to speak. Um, you know, so it's interesting because, like, she didn't choose Pau Gasol. She didn't use, choose Derek Fisher. Like, yeah. these guys that he played with for so long that meant a lot – Lamar, like none of these guys, right? It it was yeah. Shaq was the only teammate. Um right. Palinka, who's like his best friend and his agent, and Jordan. Like those are the three guys. Right. Uh and so I I find it fascinating that those are the three that were picked, and it's probably some combination of of how Vanessa feels about them and how Kobe was talking about them all the time. I mean, I I also think Vanessa was like she knew that there was going to be 20,000 people there. Sure. You know what I mean? So it wasn't just a personal memorial service. Right. I mean, it wasn't like a funeral. Right. You know what I mean? It was and I and I that, like honestly, I appreciated that because I you know, I don't think Vanessa was just thinking I should just let the people who are closest to Kobe talk. You know, because I'm sure they've had time with the family. You know, I'm sure they've talked and stuff like that. I'm yeah. sure they've had their own kind of private time to grieve in that way and share stories about Kobe in that way. And probably there are a lot of those kind of personal stories that they wouldn't even want to share with everybody. Um, I think she kind of had a sense of, like, helping everybody else get through it. Do you know what I mean? And I so... Obviously, for her personally, I do hope it was there was some kind of something for her because what she shared obviously was very personal. And 
she's not like a very public figure. It's not like Vanessa's all over the place. We see her talking. We see her in interviews and things like that. She hasn't done a lot of that kind of stuff. No. And so obviously knowing that it's almost like she was doing it more for the public. Right. You know, because the public obviously wants to know how she's doing and just because people care for her, you know, kind of because they cared for Kobe and Gigi and they're such public figures. Vanessa's not really like that, but people wanted to know that and they want to, you know, they want to support. Obviously, there's a good intention there, but the public can't really help somebody like Vanessa right now. No. Yeah. I mean, we we have no mechanism to be able to, like, reach her and, and help her. We can obviously pray. We can obviously you know, kind of send good thoughts, like that kind of stuff. And those memorials, you know, all the things that happened that the people did, those things help in a certain sense. It gives that morale and just the sense that people support you. But, you know, I really appreciated that all the people who spoke really knew how to speak and what to speak about. You know, they spoke about the right things. And I don't know. I was I was very touched by everything, I thought. Um, it did help, yeah. you know, it did, it did help. And boy, was Vanessa poised like, oh man, she was awesome. I, I mean, I wasn't like super surprised because even though I, I, I can't remember ever seeing her in public, like speak, mm. but knowing that she was Kobe's wife <laughs> and that she had spent so much time with Kobe, like just not that Kobe was the one, you know, who made her like that, but imagining that. You know, somebody who is Kobe's soulmate, I'm sure she has some of that in her. And, you know, I mean, she, yeah, she did an amazing job. Yeah, talking about everything. And it did give a lot of insight into their private life. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting was just the amount of NBA players that were there. Uh, and yeah and royalty you know i mean yeah i can't who did i see? i mean steph was there Dwayne wade was there harden westbrook AD, harden westbrook yeah uh the the spurs big three and pop oh yeah pow yeah pow I mean, yeah, and then all the, like, Laker, Lakers, like, you know, Byron Scott and, you know, yeah. all those, Karam Butler, where they're all I mean, there. Bill Russell was there. Yeah. Kareem. Kareem. Adam Silver. It was, uh, it, it was a tribute fitting, and I think it has helped me. Uh, I think, I think, you know, I guess it's time to, to turn the page. Mm. You know, that's what Shaq said, right? Is that what Shaq said? I, I think remember. it was Shaq. He said, it's time to like, we're going to take this. He kind of, you know, at the end, he was kind of saying like, I'm going to hold it down here. <laughs> what did he say? I'm going to teach. I'm going to. Except not teach him my free throws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to show them all your moves, but not your free throws. But then um, he, uh, he said something like, you know, uh, to oh actually wasn't him maybe it was Jimmy Kimmel somebody said to kind of um, no I think it was Shaq to not move on from our grief but to kind of turn the page from grief to healing right 
And um, I think I did help with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there was always something looming, right? It, it was... We knew that the funeral procession was looming. We knew that the canceled game was looming. Like the first game right. back, all that stuff was looming. And now it's kind of, that's the last of the organized chaos that had right. to happen. And mm-hmm. so now like the page turns and it's kind of like, okay, now what? You know? And right. so now we go back and we push forward and have our Mamba mentality in our own lives and, you know, kind of make it happen. And so... Yeah. In that way, it's helped. And it will be uh, interesting to see. And we've talked about this, how the NBA will respond moving forward, not only this year, but next year about, um, you know, how the mom mentality will affect them. But I think it's going to pervade even more um, as time goes on. It's kind of it's kind of like as sad as it is, and the reason why I think Kobe wanted to die young is so that his legacy would pervade like this, and mm. like like all great artists before him, like their work was appreciated much more after their death than before, and so uh, it's incredibly tragic, and I think in a way it's going to successfully fulfill the dream that he wanted as a young man, not as an older man, but as a young mm. man. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I hope for the people that it's helped you. 224 will always be etched in our memories as the memorial service. And 8 and 24 will always be Kobe Day. Um, he's got, he could have two days. It's fine. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with our two for a row to close it out after this. We are back with our two for the road, the segment where Joe and I each give you one for the road, something to think about, something we like, something we recommend, any one of those things. There's no rules here. We make <laughs> There's up no rules. Whatever we want to talk about, basically. We make Anything you want to talk about. Yeah. All right, Joe. My one for the road is about my anniversary gift to Adrian. Oh. It's coming up. It's coming up, and I got her this gift. Have you heard of Cameo? I have not. The website or app called Cameo, where you can get celebrities to leave you messages. <laughs> what? You pay celebrities, <laughs> and they'll give you messages. That's awesome. You can pay Vince Carter $300, and he'll leave you a personalized <laughs> message. You can Dude, ask, he can do my voicemail message <laughs> for me? He could do Bo Jackson. You could do Dennis Rodman. There's a lot of guys that you can do. So this is uh, this is a tandem gift because I I usually like getting Adrian uh, along those traditional anniversary gifts like what is it like a a material or like a not an ingredient sure but like you know like copper or right 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 whatever right right, right. Um, right. Uh, so I'm get, I got her one of those but as like a a lead up I got her a cameo and I was like but I, I really have to think I was like who. Does she like? No, she doesn't. Nope, she doesn't like any uh any of those A list celebrities. Nope, nope, she doesn't care about those. She doesn't care about movie stars. She doesn't care about athletes. And I got it nailed down. <laughs> I got her. Darcy. 
you might be asking, <laughs> who is Darcy? Darcy is a reality TV star from the show 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so there are that person is on this? Yeah, so while uh Meta World Peace might cost $1000 to do, Darcy from 90 Day Fiance costs $50. wait how many like people are on this oh a lot like there's three thousand athletes wow um there is so interesting there is there are let's see three thousand actors 1800 musicians 2500 youtubers 1500 reality tv stars 1700 tv stars there's Gary from Parks and Rec. <laughs> There's a lot of people. A lot of t- Gilbert Gottfried. My gosh. So it's an easy way for these guys to make some money while you're just recording a like a a personal message and my message was like a, you know, happy anniversary and then they just spiel or they improv off whatever else material they gave you. Needless to say, it went over very well. <laughs> my girl darcy shout out to you that's my one for the road shout out to darcy thank you for that cameo for giving giving adrian the message that she needed on our sixth anniversary wow yep that's cameo so watch out joe now that i know about this We might have to get you Dion Waiters. <laughs> How much is he? Uh, oh, he's not on here. I could have sworn <laughs> someone like him would be on here. I could have sworn. Um, Man. Uh, who would you want? Who would you want if you could do a cameo? Joel Embiid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Jimmy Butler. That's who I want. Jimmy Butler saying, for sure. Saying what? <laughs> saying, I don't know what I wanted to say. I want to say, <laughs> happy birthday. Hope you got your minivan like me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But I do love Jimmy Buckets. That's so funny. Why would you? Why? <laughs> Um, All right, Joe, what is your one for the road? My one for the road is I'm going to the DC EU <laughs> real quick. So I don't know if you heard, but uh, Birds of Prey came out. Right. And How apparently it do? it's doing terrible. <laughs> oh, no. It Opening weekend. You know how much it made opening weekend? How much? $33 million. Ooh, that's not good. Which is very bad. <laughs> the movie cost $84.5 million to oh, make. No. And right now, at the moment, it is at $72 million domestic, 101 international. So that's a total of 173 It's been out for a little bit. It's been out for a couple weeks now. Um, and so it might do okay. It might end up it, that that doesn't bode well, actually. You know, it's because it usually just goes down and down and down. So 
you know, it might end up like around, I don't know, 300 maybe, something like that, which is not very good. Just uh, for reference, Suicide Squad, which was a terrible movie, uh, did almost 750. Wow. Box office. So the thing is, DCEU, you just... When did we predict? It hasn't been that long, right, since I said they're going to reboot within the next five years. I think that was like a year ago or a year and a half When ago. we first started the pod, yes. Yeah, it was, it was like a year ago, basically. And I say just do it. Forget all of this. You know, Stephen Covey says the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the problem with the DCEU is that they don't know what the main thing is. They don't know what they are. They have no brand. And the thing is, by all accounts, this is a pretty good movie. It's 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, 78 not bad. On the critics and 78 on the audience oh, score. So, wow. Yeah, I think it actually, a lot of people are reporting that it's a better movie than they expected it to be. But that's the problem. You've busted your brand. Right. Whereas if you just did a good job with like Superman and Batman, your A-list characters, then people would be watching all of these weird movies. Look at the MCU. They do a good job with the Avengers. People go watch Ant-Man. People go watch, you know, whatever Black Panther side stuff and they make billions of dollars. DC. Forget it. Give up. (laughs) Just start over. It's not going to work. Even when you make a good movie, people don't watch it. And so, I mean, it's a mixed bag, right? Because Joker does well. Something like this does bad. It's just, it's all over the place. You just got to center it around Batman. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I mean, they're redoing Batman, which I have some hope for. But I feel like they really just hard, they should just hard reboot the whole thing. They should just say, forget it. We're just going to start all the way over with Batman and Superman. We're going to do it right this time and just give up on everything else. Just just redo the whole thing and you could make it awesome. Mm-hmm. Like they could make it awesome because Batman alone has so many characters you could do movies about. Like they've never they haven't even done Robin. Yeah. Since. Yeah. Since the old since the Joel Schumacher days when they were doing. You know, just these ridiculous when Arnold was there. And I mean, it's just a, it's, it's terrible. And they could do Robin. They could do Nightwing. Nightwing. That, that arc is good. Yeah. They could do legit, you know, the arc of Catwoman stuff. Yeah. They could do all that, that stuff. Like they could do a, they could redo a good Joker, a good Bane, a good Harley Quinn, a good Riddler, a good Scarecrow, you know, like do it all the right way. And you can go to those weird guys. Um, like Asriel, you know, like all oh, those Asriel. other, yeah, like those guys on the side, like there's so much, that's just within Batman. You know, there's so much Superman stuff they haven't done. There's so much Justice League and it's like the, pro- they don't do it because they're so beholden to the stuff that's come before. And I feel like you have to just clear the whole thing out, clean slate, just start over. Now you got me thinking, <laughs> I think they should do just the batman universe and after Mm. they do it for six movies or something like that where they do batman one batman two a a joker movie you know whatever Mm -hmm. then at the end of like what would be avengers 2 right like in 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 that level of sequence 
That's when they expand the DC universe. That's when Superman Mm -hmm. comes into play. Mm -hmm. It's like maybe it's a situation where all the villains succeeding have finally like have beaten Batman or like it's at the point where it's really like there is no hope. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden Superman is there or something like that. Like he presses a button. He's like, I never wanted to press this. I, you know. <laughs> and like, to and me, then he knew all along. I don't know. I think, I think they should start over with one Batman movie, right? And so here's my, here's what I think they should do. They should start over with one Batman movie, but Batman is middle-aged and he already has Robin. Mm. Just start right there. Right. Tell the rest of it in backstory. So tell Robin's origin and how Batman and Robin got together in that movie. So that movie is about Batman and Robin and their relationship. That should be the first movie because I don't want to do Batman's origin again. We've done that so many times and I don't want to do Robin's origin because he's too young if you do his origin. Right. And then you have to jump too many years or you have to wait too many years to do all the rest of the good stories. So just do it. They're already together. They've been partners for like a couple years, maybe. And Robin's relatively young, and you can tell his story in flashbacks and just start there. And that opens up everything. And don't, you know, you don't have to announce it's a reboot or anything, but close all the other projects and just do that, right? And from there, you build out, like you're saying, the Batman universe. Mm -hmm. Because then you could do Red Hood. Red Hood. Which would be a great story. And then you can do another Robin. Jason Todd. Could, the Jason second, Todd, exactly. Yep. You could do Nightwing right from there. Because then you could do Nightwing. Okay, he leaves. He gets another Robin. And then you do Red Hood. Mm-hmm. And then you do all those. You know, you go from there. And there's so many stories you can tell that way and build out the universe. And Barbara there's enough, Gordon. Yeah. And there's enough in the past. Yeah, you could do Batgirl. You know, there's enough in the past that you can do. There's enough in the future that you could do. You could do the Killing Joke. You could do Killing you know, Joke. And then oh my God, that's so. Batgirl good. can become Oracle. You know, like, yeah. and then you can do that whole thing. See, that would have been way better because at that point, if you do Birds of Prey later, like that, who's supposed to be like Oracle and Huntress and stuff like that? I mean, it would mean so much more mm-hmm. when you put Birds of Prey out here. Like that, nobody cares. I'm not going to watch a movie just based off of Harley Quinn, the the best character in a terrible movie, <laughs> you know, Suicide Squad. It's like, come on. Come on, DC. Just I'll do it. I'll do it for free. <laughs> I'll map out I'll map out your new universe for free. There's so many good stories that can be told. And then you do Superman and then you do Justice League and then you do all the other stuff. It's just, I'm so disappointed because they have so many good stories and they haven't told, they've the barely scratched the Batman surface. Batman universe has so many good stories. There's so many good stories. It's like incredible. There's so many good stories. And, and the twists and turns that it would take, oh my gosh, it's so good. And they like captivating characters too. I have some hope that they might do it because they're taking this box office hit and if they keep... If it happens enough, you know, maybe they'll just close down the extended universe. Maybe and then maybe they'll restart with this new Batman because you know there's a new Batman coming out. Maybe they'll close everything else out and just start over with this new Batman and just go from there. I hope. One can only hope. <laughs>
but <laughs> with the DC But universe, knowing Warner Brothers, knowing Warner, it's really Warner Brothers. Knowing Warner Brothers, they're not going to do it. No, they're not going to do it. <laughs> they Unfortunately, do it. they're not going to do it. All right, that's it for this week of SBR. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the People's Pod. Subscribe, like, comment, share, rate, five stars. We'll be back next week with more nonsense. This is SBR with Cliff and Joe. Peace. Peace.